Welcome to In Discovery We Trust, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Today we are discussing the fifth episode of Star Trek Discovery, entitled Choose Your Pain. My name is Ethan, and I'm joined by the illustrious... Kevin, what the fuck that ending? What the fuck that ending? I'm dropping in... an F-bomb, like they did on the first the first time Trek ever dropped an F-bomb. Indeed, and oh, so much to talk about today, including but not limited to F-bombs... Mirrors, uh, Tardigordians. Tardigordians, is that what you're calling them? <laughs> no, actually, I wrote that down. It is the Tardigrade. I, don't, I didn't spell it right. That's but it. I pr- Tardigrade. I still want to call it Ripper, though. I like Ripper better yeah, I like as Ripper. well. So, very interesting episode. Our first, The first time we get to meet Harcourt Fenton Mudd. Yes. And the first time he's featured in an episode where his name is not in the title. <clears throat> That's true. This is not choose Mud's pain. Played by uh, played by Rain Wilson. Yes, so. played pretty well. Mm-hmm. So when I will confess, you know, when he he was announced to play Harry Mud, I was a little worried because I was afraid I wasn't going to get his office character out of uh, out of my head. But uh, I think he did a like. So I totally bought that that was Harry Mud. Yeah, thankfully, or 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 not, maybe I missed out. But I, I never watched The Office, so. I didn't have to deal with that. Yeah. Um, now, I had just rewatched Mud's Women last week, mm-hmm. and I kind of bought it, kind of didn't. Yeah. It was strange. The thing that was missing was the thing that probably didn't have to be there, which was the uh, over-the-top Scotty-like accent. Yeah. I mean, we got a hint of it. We got a hint on a few yeah. words here and there. Yeah, yeah. Um, he didn't have his earring in there. He didn't, he didn't have, have his rings, though. Earring. He yeah. did have his rings. Yeah. Yep. And he will soon have that porn stash. Yes, he had the proto yeah. uh, mustache. Um, but another thing is that he was he seemed more hardened here. Yeah. Whereas when we met him later in, in the original series, mm. he was kind of, uh, he was like having fun. But I guess it makes sense. He's in prison here, and later he's, he's you know, going around the... He, to me, out. seemed like more of a slime ball. Here. Here. More than later on. Yeah, he was pretty slimy. Yeah. Always, which yeah. I guess is fitting. He was, but he just seemed like he was way more slimy this time out. Interesting. Yeah. So that that is interesting. Yeah. Well, so um, before we get into too much more into the prison mm-hmm. situation, yeah. I think we got a, a question that we've been stri- grappling with answered for us. How much does Starfleet know about what Lorca is up to? Right. We had him meeting with an admiral. Yep. And it seems that, according to the admiral, um, he really does have the latitude to do as he pleases. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe they don't know all the details, but all he has to do is just remind the admiral, hey, I get to do whatever I want out here. Right. And she backs down. It's odd, because admirals have always been such a forced force in Trek, and they're always the admirals are always kind of... Evil, in some degree, I've noticed. Mm. You know, we we get a lot of the evil admirals, mostly in the movies, not so much in the TV shows. But um, admirals usually in in Trek kind of put the kibosh on things. But this time, they're kind of giving, telling Lorca to do almost you know whatever he needs to. And I've never, I don't recall off the top of my head a time where that's kind of been the case. Yeah, that's kind of true. Which I remember yeah. when Kirk became an admiral and he couldn't take it because it mm-hmm. didn't fit with his roguish uh, right. 
throw the rule book out the window nature. Right, right. I mean, Admiral Nechaev on Next Generation was always coming on telling Picard exactly what it was he needs to do. Picard sometimes spoke up, but Lorca, to me, is speaking up a lot to the Admirals, very much the way Stamets speaks up to him. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a good point. And yeah. I would say that Lorca seems to have the authority to be able to push back. Yeah. He's been given this uh, blanket mm-hmm. free reign. Right. Um, Though he still does have to cite Starfleet rules when he has to justify keeping on um, Michael. He does. Um, but I, I see... So the way he's behaving to the admirals, or just to the higher authority authorities in Starfleet... To me, I think reinforces what you said that he has a little bit of a Kirk in him. Yes, Kirk was not like that either. Or Kirk was like, excuse me, Kirk was like that. Yeah, he would definitely tell him whatever the hell he wanted. To. He would tell his higher ups, like we go back to that quote: "Context is for kings." Right. He would Kirk would say, "I'm the one that's here. I'm seeing what's going on. I know what's best to do, and I'm not going to follow the regulation that's going right. to get my crew killed. I'm going to do what needs to be done." Right. So the title is called "Choose Your Pain," which to me. When I first heard it, because they announced the titles a few weeks ago, reminded me of Cybok in Star Trek V, you know, about your pain. But I was like, I thought to myself, well, sure as hell I'm not going to get Cybok. This can't be a Cybok. I hope it's not a Cybok reference, and luckily it was not. Um, Though, not totally out of left field if they somehow got Cybok in there. No. Well, kind of. (laughs) For me, it would be. Um, So, what I liked about this one, among many things, is that the Klingons actually kind of freaked me out in this one. Okay, I can yeah. see that. Um, I was watching the episode again, and I had my I had my uh, I had a pair of like Bose headphones on, so I was like I could hear a lot more than what I could normally hear. And when they're in that prison, you can hear like you know the the other inmates, like you can just hear like torture happening like down the hallways, and just like you hear people like getting tortured like way way. Way, way down the halls, you can hear like those like screams of pain and just, I'm just like, oh my god, this is, this is pretty rough. Yes, and yeah. their tactic, uh, assuming that it's true, which mm-hmm. I think we'll get more into what we think was really going on there, but yeah. the tactic of having them choose who gets tortured so that they cannot bond, so they won't form these relationships yeah. that they could use to escape or overpower or anything. Brilliant. Yeah, it was, what was it? It was, uh, choose somebody or the two of you fight. Is that what it was? Or they have to beat each other? Oh, is that what it was? I missed I think that it was, part. I think it was choose somebody. Or I think, uh, I can't remember if it was Mud or um, Ash Tyler, who we'll get into. I think it was Mud who mentioned that to Lorca, that you've got to choose, you got to point to somebody, or you've got you to fight each other. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which, yeah. Is, to me, is an extremely Klingon thing to do. Yeah, it makes I sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, so, this is the first time we actually meet um, Ash Tyler. Yes. Uh, we are on episode five of the show now, and we finally... We, so, I don't know if we've met everybody yet, though. I don't know if there's anybody we have yet to see. Um, um, I, I know, so, at, at New York Comic Con on the panel, um, yeah. Ash Tyler, he, his actor, was on mm. the panel. So, right. I'm assuming he's going to be a regular, he's going to be a big part of the show going forward. Uh, he was the only one on that panel that I had not yet So, seen. what do you think of him? Do you trust him? Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. Um, I, I definitely think that um, Lorca was right. Someone yeah. is feeding information to the Klingons, and mm-hmm. I do not think that it is Mud. No, nope. I think it is definitely Ash. I think it's got to be him. And he has that odd relationship with the captain. 
the Klingon captain. Maybe so that was really strange. Uh, yeah, you know? or, or maybe even just a lie. Maybe. Because, but whatever it is, because Lorca pointed out, and Lorca was actually pretty quick to realize something was up, but then he abandoned that also just as quickly as he realized it when he right. when he heard that he had been there since the Battle of the Binary Stars, so seven months later. Yep. And he didn't have a, you know, he wasn't, didn't have any bruises on him. No, and he was well shaped, shaven. He was like, yeah. clean shaven. That was the first thing I noticed. He And he said, uh, I'm stronger than I think. And Lorca says, oh, you're a liar. Why yeah. are you still, why are you still here? Yeah. No one survived seven months of Klingon torture. So uh, there's kind of an elephant in the room with this that I kind of want to address. There's an internet rumor about this guy. There is an internet rumor about yeah. this guy. So, um. I'm not if, sure if I totally buy it, but. Right. There's a rumor. So. I hesitate to call it a spoiler, since it's more of a theory. It's, it's a theory. But much of the internet has taken it as fact. Yeah. And so, if you are uh, spoiler sensitive, I would say um, skip ahead a bit. Although, if you are spoiler sensitive and you haven't seen the episode yet, I don't know why you're listening to this. Well, that's true, but this is outside the episode. Potentially, yes. But it originates from this, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. All right, so, anyway. first, so here's my theory as to... Why, uh, first, just what we saw in the episode before the spoiler. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, so Lorca laid down his trap to find out if anyone was giving information to the Klingons. Right. Yep. When he said his go- his ship is like a ghost. Right. And then, when he was being tortured, uh, the Klingon torturer said those exact words back to him. Your ship is like a ghost. And then he thought he knew. Aha! Someone was... Listening, right, and feeding information. Now he took that to us to mean that it was mud. However, yeah, I find that there's a second bit of information that was now at the time that he said that mud was overlaying on his cot, had his eyes shut. Right. So sure, could have had his eyes shut, could have been listening. Yeah. But one thing that Lorca did not say out loud, but was also used in his torture, was he sat down and he looked at the light. And he clearly was very distressed and in pain from the light that yep. he looked at in the yep. cell. Yep. Now he was the, watching this whole thing. Was Ash watched that happen? Mm-hmm. When they tortured him, they used his light sensitivity against him. Right. So I think that's the little bit of information that should have tipped him off because right. I don't believe Mud could have known that, and I do think that Ash did know it. And, and I immediately didn't like this Ash guy. And symbolically, the Klingon captain has lighter skin. Oh. I'm just throwing that in. <laughs> <laughs> My brain couldn't do anything with that information. <laughs> just, you know, but that, that probably means nothing. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting. I don't know if I buy that fully, but you mentioned earlier that, um, before we were recording, that he was also, that actor was playing a Klingon. Well, so. a Klingon earlier. As far as I know, what the internet rumor said is that he's not only playing a Klingon, he, is, he was specifically playing the albino Klingon yep. that um, was with Tecumseh. Tecumva. Tecumva. <laughs> Tec- leave the names to me. Tecumva. <laughs> um, right. So, apparently this was up, and then it disappeared after people started to talk about it. So... Are we saying that there's potential that he could be a Klingon posing as a human? That's what the internet is saying. I mean, you also have to look at the era that we are in. 
in the universe. Because by that point, there are Klingons that look human. Right. Yeah. But not that albino one. And Mr. Darwin in tr- Trouble, The Trouble with Tribbles, posed as a human, was also a Klingon. Right. Yeah. And I would point to another thing is that we've, and we've seen some DNA, some casual DNA splicing in this episode. Yeah. So. I mean, it's not, it's within the realm of possibility. It may not be the case. We could be grasping at straws, but I'm willing to think just because it's happened before that we could potentially see it again. Klingons have posed as humans before. Right. But it all seems very strange that. We need a tribble to identify. He's a smaller human. I mean, he's a regular-sized human. He speaks very mm. normal, uh, good English. Right. You think that a Klingon speaking English would be more guttural? But Lorca mentioned to the Klingon captain that he was impressed by how good her English was. Oh my heavens, you're right. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that. But even her English wasn't that great. <laughs> but I mean, it, was, it sounded very. But it was better. Like a Klingon mean, speaking English. But it was way better than Takumba's English. Did Kumba ever speak English? He did. Oh, to right. the Admiral in the uh, in yes. Battle of the Binary Stars. That so, but there good. was that comment that his that her English was very good. Yeah. So that's another so, seed planting, potentially. Um. Th- yeah. There's definitely something odd going on. Um. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, it's it's definitely. Uh, I love that we can just sort of spin these theories, and just given that what we've seen in past tracks, we can use that as sort of way you know as a means to support them. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other thing that happened in this episode was um, uh, the Tardigrade, or as we're calling him, um, Ripper. We they sort of head in a direction that I was hoping they wouldn't, which you know uh, Burnham thinks that they're harming this thing using it to you know to navigate the drive. Yes, uh, and we're getting into that moral ethical debate. Yes. that I was hoping for, right. and but. You know, you heard me say, uh, I don't know if it was the last podcast or the podcast before this, where I ha- where I thought that, where I really thought that Lorca, Lorca's from the mirror universe, just because of how savage he is. Right, that right? was our, but, a theory. A that's theory. a theory. Um, but. And you heard it first, right here on. Maybe. In Discovery, we trust. In Discovery, we predict, we theorize. Uh, so. But um, Saru, who's now playing captain while Lorca is gone, is like almost equally savage. He's like, you know, get that, get that thing working. I don't care what you've got to do. Get that spore drive working. Yeah. Make that, you know, because the creature, don't forget, the creature kind of passed out, you know, was rendered unconscious. And he says, you know, wake that thing up, do whatever you've got to do. Yeah. Get this thing working. <clears throat> yeah, I was very surprised by that I was too actually it seems extremely out of I mean it's if well it sounds weird to say it sounds extremely out of character for Saru even though this is only episode 5 but it's extremely out of character so far yeah I would say so but I do feel that once he committed to that course of action he was not going to turn back and particularly by the point that it had totally become dehydrated they were in Klingon space is that correct Uh, they were so I guess um, they didn't have much of a choice at that point. Well, the other thing, too, don't forget that he said to Burnham in the third episode that he will do everything he can to protect his captain. Right, right. And again, um, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. They are over the one. This is very one true. creature that they are hurting. But if, but if they're from the mirror universe, Saru could be his personal god. That would surprise yeah. me. That would surprise me, yes. Um, but... 
so when I watch this show, you know, I watch it a few times and I watch it for different, for varying reasons on each viewing. One thing that I always go do is I watch it to go on sort of an Easter egg hunt. Okay. Um, this wasn't something you know I necessarily hunted for because it was sort of thrown right at me. But when Saru was trying to, when he was talking to the computer to say, oh, you know, I want to be, because he wanted to kind of improve his weaknesses as a commander. And obviously when he did that and he asks, he asked the the computer to list all those uh, Starfleet captains yes. as examples. Archer. Obviously, what did we see? We saw Robert April. Mm-hmm. Do you know who Robert April is? Robert April is the first captain of the Enterprise. Kirk of the Enterprise that Kirk eventually yes. commanded. Yes. Um, Jonathan Archer, which was great. Um, Matthew Decker, who Decker. is the captain of the USS Constellation. Well, the, by this point, the Commodore, commander of the USS Constellation in the Doomsday Machine. Oh. At that point, he might be a captain. I don't know. Uh, Christopher Pike, mm-hmm. who is out in space on the Enterprise at this point. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to me that he's already being painted as a decorated commander. Right. Um, and, of course, Philippa Giorgio. Yes. But it was great to actually see those. I, I love that they were all names that we recognized. Yes. You know, I knew who every single one of them was. Yes. And I was very excited to see Archer on there because I still really want to see Archer in the flesh on the show. Yes, so do I. Um the other thing was Harry Mudd himself um, referenced his wife, Stella, who we see as a robot in iMud. Yes. He, she's the the android, or excuse me, we see her as an android. He's the android that he keeps yelling at to shut up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it's just funny because, uh, assuming that he built the android after his actual wife. Yes. He bought a moon. Yep. For someone who nags him and he has to tell to shut up all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that it's building towards like this, you know, this ethical debate, you know, this is not, I know I keep kind of going down this road, but you know, uh, Burnham feeling like what we're doing isn't right. I think we're really harming this creature. Mm -hmm. Do you have any evidence of that? No, but you just don't see the way it's reacting when we engage this spore drive. And I love that it's sort of heading in that direction. Yeah. Well, I would argue that it didn't head in that, it's headed and it's done. Because yeah. we don't have well, it's a done. yeah, it's done. Ripper we don't, anymore. We don't have it anymore. Which so this is surprising, and I think I like that this show is. Um, I expect it's going to be one thing, and it's being something else. Because right. I sort of thought this was going to be the season arc will be this ethical dilemma and these conflicts, but it seems as if they're past that already. Which yeah. is I'm happy about. Um, but now it, they have it, this new ethical. But issue. It, it does feel like genuine Trek to me. Oh, yes. An ethical... There's an issue to debate every week. Right. Now, Trek didn't obviously do it every single week in the past, but I like right. that it's like sort of this overarching theme. Sometimes it was about Jordy trying to get a date. Yes. Sometimes it was. Um, so they got rid of that creature, and the, 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 the most alarming thing they did was Stamets hooking himself up to that thing. Yes. Which I was not expecting at all. No, I really thought it was going to be Michael. In there, because we, really. we knew someone had done it. We I knew think, that I, I didn't think of, it would be her. I thought it would be Michael. No, I thought I it, it would be her, be her way to because. So here was my thing. So they start off with the dream mm-hmm. where she is sees herself in it, right? And she's you know screaming out in pain. So I thought maybe as sort of her. That's uh, so all that you're right. I forgot her about penance that. I totally for forgot about that for being the one to discover 
that the creature could be used in this way would be to right. do it herself. What well, I like that we are getting... So, initially, I wasn't really a huge fan of Stamets. Uh, okay. Um, I thought he was kind of an asshole, but he's Why being, so? Well, he wasn't... Just because he wasn't being nice to Burnham, really. Right. I didn't find him instantly likable. Right. But he's becoming more likable week after week. In fact, I tweeted to Anthony Rapp, who plays Stamets, and I said, you know, you and your castmates, I think, are getting better and better week after week. And I think they would do, I think they're doing Roddenberry pretty proud. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, he's getting to be much more likable. I, I sort of do like the fact that these are not, these are complex characters that right. they're maybe not going to be 100% likable. They're maybe not going to be no. Picards that we just want to like love and spend all our no, time No, but with. I think it's also because we're seeing it from her point of view and obviously we know what she did. Um, I like that they refer to Discovery as a secret weapon. Which to me only reinforces, could this be why we've never really heard of that shit before? That's a good point. Because it's, it's a secret weapon. Because there was this crazy, before the show came on, there was this utterly insane rumor that went around that the reason why Discovery was, say, quote-unquote, so advanced, even though we know the real reason, um, why it looked the way it did, why it looked more advanced than, say, Kirk's Enterprise, again, we know the real reason behind <laughs> because that. Because they don't build sets out of plywood anymore. Um, the rumor at the time was that Discovery was this ship that sort of operated under the radar that kept, sort of, quote-unquote, kept the peace between the Federation and the Klingon Empire. And it kind of operated, it was, it was a highly advanced ship that sort of operated more or less in secret, and nobody else knew about it. Mm. So, but given the fact that we are now um, at war with the Klingons, I don't even know. It sounded cool to me, by the way, like I liked the idea behind that, but um, I don't think really think that's the case. No, it doesn't seem to be super much of a secret. I mean, no. maybe maybe people below Admiral don't know about it? Potentially. But although people still think it's sec- people still think it's section thirty one, right? Which I just think they need to let go of. Yeah, I guess unless you're on the crew, mm-hmm. or but then there was another ship doing the same thing. Unless you were on, multiple ships doing. Unless the same you are on either crew, yeah, you wouldn't know. Or if you were an admiral or something, we could we could we could think that maybe someone you know. Uh, average person on, like, so say the Enterprise, another ship going around at the time, maybe wouldn't know what was going on with the Discovery. Right. right. Um, and maybe it's just the higher ups looking at it and saying all the other ships need this too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, potentially. I mean, it's it's you know there doesn't need to be an explanation as to why we haven't heard Discovery because I know what the explanation is. It just hasn't been written yet. Basically. So, you know, it's it's okay. It's I don't really need an explanation for that. I mean, it's it, again, it's fun to think about. Yeah, and, but... and I think we may see, like I said, something will happen with this ship and the whole network that will take it down. And if it's a technology that they once had and now can't use anymore, I don't know why it would be discussed very often. Stamets, yeah, Stamets injecting himself, I was not expecting. Right, um, and... But, which leads me to that odd ending at the end of the episode. Right, so he injects himself with this, the DNA. Mm-hmm. So they, I guess they figured out which parts of the DNA make the, um, the made Ripper able to communicate with the spore drive. Yeah. So they've spliced, taken out that part of the DNA, and he puts it into himself so that he's right. then able to control it in some way. Yeah. Um, I would expect, oh, 
Speaking of Easter eggs along with this. Okay. Very fun reference that uh, that DNA manipulation has been outlawed since the eugenics wars. Yep. Um, but Khan is out there. Khan is out Khan there. Khan is out there. So what he did was not allowed. But maybe it was allowed. Maybe it is allowed, rather, because it's on Lorca's ship and they gave Lorca this wide berth to do what he wants. But I don't, know if, I don't know if Stamets realizes that. Right. That's true, too. Yeah. Um, so I think the interesting thing is... Are we going to see more changes to Stamets uh, aside from just the well mirror? Whatever went okay. Well, that, let me. I want to discuss that. Yes, that particular moment because this second. hits with another one of our ongoing theories. But it does. But to me, it also gave rise to a new one. Okay. I'm still keeping the mirror universe theory out right. there. So let's I'm revisit our mirror universe. Let's revisit theory. this, for okay. one, but for one second. So, if he had that sort of evil glare in the mirror, right? And I wondered briefly if whatever he, what he did, could uh, Lorca have done the same thing to himself? literally the same thing? I don't think so, because they didn't it's, have it's, Ripper. It's, you're right, you're right. And I don't but, think Lorca is a science um, person. And that's that's sort of my thing. Like, I was wondering, like, you know, could now he be taught, could he now have those same sort of, uh, you know, uh, urges like Lorca does because of that? But uh, Right. You know, probably not, but that was just mm-hmm. something I threw out there. Right. It does, however, speak to the literally speak to the mirror universe theory. But don't forget, I was saying initially, before just a few minutes ago, that I think Lorca and only Lorca was from the, is from the mirror universe. Right. I'm rethinking that now. I am rethinking it a little bit too. I don't know if my feelings on it have increased or decreased in like percentage wise. Right. Uh, but. Yeah, it's very strange. It is. So so to recap some of our cases of first-time listener, or are we reminded of our previous theories, we were talking about just how strange the vibe was on the Discovery yeah. and how things seemed off from the mm-hmm. Starfleet where we used to. It was operating right. in a in a not-typical Starfleet way, even beyond what we've seen. Right. Um, aside from maybe Into Darkness or something. Um, <laughs> Different universe. Different reality. Uh, they can do whatever the hell they want. And we noticed that there was this Alice continuous Alice in Wonderland references yep. from Burnham. So Alice in Wonderland through the Looking Glass, which is also the name of a Deep Space Nine episode that takes place in the Mirror Universe, where they go to the Mirror Universe. Exactly. Yeah. And before the show started, we heard um, the the confirmation that. Um, there would be a Mirror Universe. Yep. Now, they didn't say Mirror Universe episode, but no. just that there would be the Mirror Universe somewhere in it. So, But there is, all, and I mentioned this too, there's also an image of a picture of Jason Isaacs sitting in the captain's chair out of costume. And in the background on the dedication plaque for Discovery, it says ISS Discovery. ISS is the prefix for any ship, any Federation starship in the Mirror Universe or the Terran Empire, as it's called. Fascinating. Yeah. Now, he's not in 
uniform? Is he just wearing his actor regular? Yeah, clothes? yeah, just right. He's not wearing any shoes. jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah, uh, he's wearing like a suit, but like he doesn't have any shoes on. He's like barefoot. Okay, yeah. So it's probably not, and it's a little was, out of focus. He was not in character. No, he was not in character. Okay. So, you know, I'm. I don't know. But I don't know fully about that. I mean, it's well, they wouldn't it's, build it if they weren't going to use it. But it's like the dedication plaque is behind him, slightly out of focus. So I saw an image of it just sort of like blown up a little bit. Okay. It could be either or. Now, I'm not saying that Discovery as it is now is from the Mirror Universe, but if right. that's if that is maybe taken from the set of an episode that takes place in the Mirror Universe, that sort of gives the origin of why of how this happened, assuming this theory of mine comes true, maybe that's what that's from. But I, that, oddly enough to me, is, despite the fact that it might say ISS Discovery, is the weakest bit of evidence that I have. Yeah, I think all yeah. these other hints that are being laid throughout. And now we've gotten the biggest one with this mirror, mirror situation. Only now it includes Stamets and not... Right, not just, so we uh, can be totally wrong. Or maybe there's been no interaction yet with the Mirror Universe. No. But, no. clearly it's coming. Um, but here's the, the thing. As we look at... Think about previous episodes where yep. they've interacted with the Mirror Universe. There's been no DNA splicing, as far as I know. Uh, and do you think they're related? I'm aware of. DNA splicing? Yes. Because it seems like this is a side mm. effect of his DNA injection. And yeah, it seems to. But why a mirror, though? Right. So that's... I mean, it's a, it's a little too literal. It's a little too on the nose, but... You know... Yes. Why do that? What does that... I, that's the strange thing. Yes, I mean, it is very strange. Were we watching... The two of them brushed their teeth. Were those the mirror universe counterparts that we saw, or was was you know did it end with the evil guy staring at them from that point of view, or was it just you know I don't know. Right now, correct me if I'm wrong. We've never seen Starfleet toothbrushes before, have we? Uh, not that I am aware of. Okay. Yeah. It was fascinating. It was just a little thing, and they stuck it in their mouth, and it didn't I mean, do anything. It didn't make any noise. It just, I mean, they just it, moved it around their mouth. And... Well, I'm, I'm actually, well, to say this much, I'm actually surprised they even used toothbrushes. I think it would be something a little bit more advanced, like a, you know, a laser. Yeah, thing. right. Just, they just kind of yeah, you know, hover just... over their teeth, and they're done. Um, although Barbarians f- in the 20th century used to although, drag bristles uh, across their teeth. Although Phlox was, uh, Phlox was also a dentist. He fixed Paul's teeth in a brief scene. Uh, um, we did not see a Captain T'Pol anywhere. By the we way. did not. Well, we don't know if she became a captain. Right. You know, we don't know. We and don't who's know. to say that she was decorated? Right, that's what I asked. She may not be a very good captain. If she uh, was ever a captain. But it's, it's yeah, this only speaks more toward the Mirror Universe. But if it if it does, it's a, they're introducing it in a very strange way. Yes. Now, here's probably why I, I thought it was connected. It, it happened right after, and I felt... For me, watching that scene, I was waiting for something to happen to him. Because right. I sort of felt, okay, he just injected this in his DNA. Now here he is, and they have this nice domestic scene with him and his partner. And yeah. they're brushing their teeth. Right. And it was it was one of those situations where I felt the show was setting up. Here's a nice, calm, tranquil domestic scene. Right. And right. we're going to break it with something very strange happening. And they did. But it was not a strange thing I expected. I thought he would grow up snout like ripper or something strange like <laughs> that would kind happen. of well so the 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 strange thing is when i saw that scene when it ended initially and the camera cut to the angle to you seeing the uh the mirror and him walking away i was like wait and i had to stop and watch it again because i didn't because I, I looked away for like a quick second and i thought 
it was his partner who turned away and he was still looking in the mirror, but I was like, I was like, wait, what? and I had to go back and watch it again. And I was like, what? Yeah. I was extremely confused. Yeah. I don't really quite know what to think of this. I don't either. And um, perhaps that's the point. You know, and don't forget this too. Before they brought Ripper on board, when they were doing some tests of the spore drive, they say that it wasn't very accurate. They, were, they said they were making small jumps. And sometimes they weren't they weren't getting to where they exactly where they needed to go. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the thing down yet. Right. Basically. Could that drive be accidentally at one point throwing them into the mirror universe and then back again? And they don't even know. And they don't even know? That, that could be. That could make sense. But my thought initially was that perhaps they are creating the mirror universe. But then Maybe. I realized that we've already... Well, we've been to the mirror universe in Enterprise. We have. But that was a strange standalone right. story. So they never really interacted with the mirror universe. So it no. could still sort there's of always, fit. There's, there's, aside from that, that two-potter on Enterprise, there's always been a crossover between the uh, the Prime Universe, as it's called, and somebody, and then going into the Mirror Universe. So whereas that was standalone. So we could, I think we st- could still be in a situation where they're actually creating the Mirror Universe, yeah. and they don't know it, or creating the bridge to the Mirror Universe without knowing it. Maybe the bridge would make the most sense. Well, because I there's mean, never been a bridge between Enterprise, between Archer's Enterprise and nope. that. It the just first, was this parallel. And the first time we are brought into the Mirror Universe, uh, product um, uh, on the on the original series is via a transporter accident. Right. So also a technology. Also a technology. Um, I forget. I forget how it happened, but uh, I think it was oh, it's because of a storm on a planet. So yeah, I mean, I don't. The only thing is, I don't think we, as the viewers, have been inside the Mirror Universe just yet. Because like I said a few weeks ago, when you're in the Mirror Universe, you know you're in the Mirror Universe. Mm-hmm. The Terran Empire logo is all over the place. Everybody's, you know, everybody's savage. They're all saluting each other. The uniforms look different. Yep, so the, ladies, so, the ladies have ripped the midriffs off their exactly. uniforms. So Some if, of the men have goatees. I feel, like, I feel like if we were in the Mirror Universe, we would know it. Oh, absolutely. We, Unless... We definitely know it. The and the characters, if, if like if, unless it's still, like I think I still think or- Lorca is from the mirror universe, but I think it's deliberate. If if they're creating this warp effect and they are sort of create or say creating the mirror universe and like say, I don't know, crew members are sort of like crossing over and not realizing it, or you know, maybe just accidentally appearing, they would probably know something wasn't. They would know right. something wasn't right. The only way they wouldn't is let's say Discovery jumps from one place, lands in the mirror universe in another place, yeah. doesn't interact with anything, and then jumps and lands back in the prime universe. Right. So if they don't interact with any ships or people, there's nothing to see. I don't think once you cross over, you immediately turn into something else. I think it's your counterpart is waiting No, but I you. think, but it, but it, but it, yeah. Potentially, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's all wild speculation. Because if it's a mirror universe, you have to assume that the discovery of the mirror universe is doing something similar in parallel. Or opposite, right? That's, well, similar. So, to kind of make more sense out of it, in Mirror Mirror, when Kirk and crew accidentally appear in the mirror universe, their mirror universe counterparts were also beaming up to the Enterprise at the same time as they were. Oh, I see. So. Well, we can argue Samus was also brushing his teeth. Right. So that that only adds more fuel to the uh, to the fire, basically. So, um, 
So Discovery on in the on the Mirror Universe side might be doing something very similar to what um, the Discovery in the Prime Universe is doing. Um, but do but yeah, doing something opposite, but doing something that is parallel to what they're doing. Yes, something that is creating the same sort of conditions, basically. Yeah. So you have to assume that if Discovery is going to warp in the Prime Universe, if there's a Mirror Universe Discovery, it's also going to warp and doing okay and doing something. Or they're using a spore drive there. Or they're maybe or something. Um, so I do like the Mirror Universe theory a lot. Uh, I think, I do think that, uh, I, I'm hoping that it, it ends up being true. Uh, I don't know how other people might feel about it, but we'll see. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting no matter what happens with the Mirror Universe. Um, and I, I definitely think that the show now is sort of, it's done with the ethics of using the creature now. So mm. we're moving on from that, and now we're going to have some some other thing to look at, which could be this Mirror Universe situation coming up for a multiple episode. And I will say, when, when we saw the trailer for this episode last week, uh, when we saw that Lorca was being captured by the Klingons, and there was, you know, Harry Mudd was there, I thought to myself, if he is indeed from the Mirror Universe, is he going to maybe encounter his Prime Universe? Is he going to discover his Prime Universe counterpart? Yeah. Like, would he potentially be in that be captured on that Klingon ship also? Right. In fact, well, before we saw Ash Tyler's face, he was kind of like laying on the ground. You didn't see his face. No, no, no. no sorry, not Ash Tyler. There was another. There was another Starfleet officer in that uh, oh, cell yes. with them who eventually got his face kicked in. We couldn't. We couldn't see who it was. I thought, oh my god, is this it? Is that going to be? Is that going to be Captain Lorca? Is that right. it? And then, right. obviously, it didn't end up being him. But one more reason um, I think it may not be the case is that his interaction with the admiral. The admiral seemed mildly surprised that he was acting this way, but didn't seem. No, that's yeah. She didn't seem totally because um, they're friends, basically. Right. She didn't ring an alarm bell of like that's not the Lorca I know, right. or any of that. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, but, you know, let's also potentially theorize that this Lorca could have been in our Prime Universe for a long time. Mm, fair point. Um, but, look, I know it's, even though, like, a lot of insane evidence may point to it, I still think and hope it ends up being true. Right. Uh, because there was a similar case on, there was a similar case on Deep Space Nine with Julian Bashir. Doctor Bashir, mm-hmm. um, during uh, you watched all of, you watched all of Deep Space Nine, right? Mostly, yes. Do you remember in the like early to mid seasons there was the whole like um, changeling thing? Like people are afraid that somebody might be a changeling. Yes, we discover that uh, the uh, it's I think it's it's, in, it's during the fifth season that the Doctor Bashir on Deep Space Nine ends up being a changeling, and that the real Bashir is actually in the Gamma Quadrant. And we know, and we discover that the real Bashir has been captured and held in a Dominion prison, and he's still wearing. Because by this point in season five, the crew of DS Nine is now wearing the uniforms that they that have appeared in Star Trek: First Contact. Oh yeah, the purple top. The purple top. So when they find the real Bashir in the Gamma Quadrant, he's wearing he's wearing the aqua. He's wearing the old uniform. Oh. So, uh, and, and again, it's in a prison. So with the whole uh, Lorca on a Klingon ship, I thought we're going to see something. Similar to that, mm, would be but interesting. it would be interesting. I'm still trying to acclimate like this whole idea that a new tre- a Trek show is now forcing me to spin theories. 
and yeah. make, and make guesses. Yeah, and the trick theories, shows had not done that no. much in the past. Or maybe you would spin a theory twenty minutes into an episode that you'd find out. You know, 42 minutes into the episode. I mean, maybe season three of Enterprise with the Zindi, there could have been some theories here and there, but this is, this is on the level of like Westworld or a Lost or things like that. This is is the era of that. And I, and I like that. That's, you know, that's what we're doing. Yeah. And I would think that this is the writers would probably be very happy to hear that. I'm sure that that's what they're going. Well, I, I, you know, again, I tweeted to them and I tweeted to them and I said, I love that this show, you know, you, you've combined my two favorite shows, you've combined Star Trek and you've combined Lost and it's a, it's a perfect, it's a perfect marriage and I just love the, I love the result. Yeah. So, um, Um, the way a couple of loose ends from the episode that I wasn't sure about. Okay. So Mud had a pet spider. Yep. Did the, and then at one point Lorca pulled the device off of the spider. Yeah, they were listening. So, did Mud not notice the device? It was pretty, it was like a glowing... Right. Well, Mud's a shit, so... That's true, that's true. But I still do not think it was Mud that was the, the traitor, so to speak. I don't know, I'll have to watch it again and see. Yeah. And do an addendum. <clears throat> okay. So, here's a theory... To, I feel would be good to look at going forward. So okay. Saru, when he pulls up all the captain's names, he asks the computer to give him the list of character traits that um, led to their success. Right. And what were those? Uh, they were bravery, self-sacrifice, intelligence, tactical brilliance, and compassion. Okay. I really like that Saru's doing this. Um, I think it gives us a good insight into his character, first off. Uh, it's a really a very logical and a very kind of smart way to go about this. It's a little strange that you it could have is. a computer dictate to you how you should behave, but but here's the thing. I feel like this scene was just done for the sake of an Easter egg. That's fair, you know. Maybe it's fine, but maybe it's like, oh hey, we're gonna throw in, you know. Right, um, but we, I, like, I, like we did earlier, I can identify all of those characters. Yes, They're all existing, really fun. all living or dead. By the way, we only know one of them that is that is dead. Who we don't, oh, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. We don't know if, right, for sure, if Archer is dead, but everybody else is alive. Right. Well, let me, actually, let me step back. We don't know for sure if Robert April is still alive. Okay. Yeah. Right. So. Well, so you're right. This could just be an Easter egg, a fun thing to throw in. However, yeah. this could also be a turning point for Saru. Because yeah. I feel that after thinking about what makes a good captain, what makes a successful captain, and then thinking about these traits, right. I don't see how he can go back to being number two to Lorca and not have in the back of his head these traits running and notice uh, Lorca maybe has tactical brilliance, maybe, but he definitely doesn't have self-sacrifice. He definitely doesn't have... Um, compassion he I would say he would have tactical brilliance he would not say it I would say he does yes that's the one I would I would give him maybe intelligence I don't really see it um maybe bravery I don't really see it uh so I I think this may be where Saru starts to come off the Lorca wagon hmm well does it at all tie into that nice moment he had with uh, Burnham when he said that he was jealous of her and that he wanted to be first officer. 
Under, you know, does that is that related to that? It could be. It could be because he wanted to be first, first officer to uh, Captain Georgia. Georgia. He wanted her. He wanted Burnham to basically. He was hoping that um, uh, Burnham would eventually move away, to move off, move off to get her own captaincy, and he would be her number one. Right, because he wanted to learn from Georgia, which I think is where it was going to be going had you know Michael had not done that, but. Because it's mentioned that, but anyway. But he must also realize that Lorca is no Giorgio. No. So I would say no. this is something to put a pin in and see if this experience with Lor- um, Saru changes him toward Lorca. I also really like that at the end of the episode, when he goes to get the analysis of the computer on his, um, his captainship, he stops it and says... He doesn't want to know, or he already knows, which I didn't fully get because I'm not sure where he was in that. Um. Yeah. Well, let's see. I mean, do you think at some point we could see, you know, could we see Lorca get replaced by Saru? Like, what if we lose a captain midway into a show? I think if there's any show that's going to lose a captain, it's this one. Oh, totally. That's how it works on TV now. Back then, not so much. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that would be very interesting. Yeah. It would, it would, it would explain something. And again, the first time we've seen Saru so compassionate and just so, well, not compassionate, or excuse me, passionate about wanting to uh, take on that role. And, and it's interesting, Burnham was at one point refers to him as Captain Saru. And even after Lorca is retrieved, he men- Saru mentions that Lorca technically isn't back in command just yet that's true and then this brings a full circle the ethical debate where he makes the decision Uh, well you don't know we have not yet seen Lorca's reaction to this to release River we have not but here's the strange thing now this is you know you suspend your your suspension of disbelief when you watch sci-fi shows but correct we heard that Ripper had extracted 99% of its of his or hers or they's moisture yep um, so, uh, they release it into space, and it rehydrated in space. Yes. It, is, it, yes. Is it not it is a lot a of moisture. dwelling creature. Okay, it's not a lot of moisture in space to rehydrate, is there? Is there no moisture in space? I've never been in Maybe space. Maybe I'm wrong. I've never been in space. Well, I think it would be ice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be ice? I don't know, but it seems strange to me. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe. But anyway, know. Ripper's happily back floating through the mycelial web. Yeah. Um, well, which reminds me of another scene, which was the five seemingly endless explanation of the mycelial web again. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. It just... I, I, yeah, I'm, I, that's something I want to... So, I do want to go back and watch the episode and find a few more, uh, try to raise a few more questions. But uh... Yeah, I just feel that it was a recap of everything we've already learned about the mycelial web, but with pictures, which felt, I guess, I don't know what, for people watching an episode for the first time or people that weren't paying attention, I don't know. Yeah, this 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 show definitely requires multiple viewings, I think, especially for the hardcore fans. Because it doesn't seem that we got any new information about the mycelial web. Not yet. It was just, and that whole Stamets explaining it was... Just a re-explanation of all the information that we've already gotten. We will. We shall see. We um, shall see. 
All right, well, that's going to have to do it for this week on In Discovery We Trust. Um, we have a Twitter account now set up. It is, you can find us on Twitter. Ask us any questions on Twitter at Disco Podcast. The name was too long for In Discovery We Trust. So uh, it would have just been In Discovery We Trust. And I don't want to do that. So I just named it Disco Podcast. And so surprisingly, people... there's not already a podcast about the style of music disco that was oh, there using is. that. Twitter. I'm sure there is. Well, yeah. Oh, there's, a, there's definitely disco podcasts. Not that I listen to them or anything like that. But uh, the one I, I saw one called Disco Forever, I think. Okay. Yeah. I'm if you want to ask us about disco, you can do that too. If I you guess. want to ask us about disco, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to point you to the right podcast. Um, and there is a. And we have our Gmail account. At indiscoverywetrust at gmail.com. Mm. Um, so, yeah, any questions or any, any topic, questions, topics, ideas that you ideas, think we should talk about? Tell us any how, of your theories. If you want to tell us how awesome we are, if you want to tell us how much we suck, both um, are fine. If you want, All if feedback. You wanna, if you want to criticize us for paying for CBS All Access, then um, don't do that. But until next time, we will see you on In Discovery We Trust. Peace out. <laughs>